Welcome. How are you guys doing tonight? Four of you are doing okay over here. How are you guys? How are you guys doing tonight? Doing all right? Awesome. Well, welcome to the well. My name is Ben Post. For those of you I have not yet met, I would love to uh, meet you soon. Uh, I'm on staff with Campus Ministry, and we're going to keep diving into the Gospel of Mark together tonight. Can we do that? Is that all right? Um, <clears throat> we've been looking at the Gospel of Mark all year long. Uh, first semester, we were looking at the life and ministry of Jesus in the Galilee region. And this semester, we've been looking cl more closely at the final days of Jesus as he comes into uh, Jerusalem on Passover, and he's eventually going to be crucified. Uh, tonight, we're going to continue our series with Jesus in Jerusalem. Um, we're looking at the final days of Jesus, but we are going to look a little bit tonight at a few snapshots of the life of Peter tonight. Okay, so it's a little bit of a different angle. We're going to look at snapshots of the life of Peter. So before we look at, you know, Jesus in Jerusalem, I want to go way back to the beginning of Mark's gospel tonight. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. If you do not have a Bible and would love to follow along, we have some people in the back that would love to give you Bibles. So just go ahead and raise your hand, and these people will give you a Bible, and you can follow along that way. And if you don't own a Bible, you can keep it. Mark chapter 1. <clears throat> Jesus began his public ministry in Galilee by calling disciples to come and follow him. Mark 1, starting at verse 16. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Okay, so Simon... Uh, Simon Peter, Andrew, James, and John. This is the story here. They're all out fishing one day, and all of a sudden this rabbi comes walking along and says, come and follow me. And so they dropped their nets. They were fishermen. This is who they were. This is what their identity was. And Jesus says, I want you to come and follow me. And culturally speaking, when Jesus calls these disciples to come and follow him, he's essentially saying to them, look, I think you have what it takes to become like me as a Jewish rabbi. And that's what they wanted more than anything else in the entire world. So they were ecstatic to drop their nets. It's a whole other teaching for a whole other night, but that's just a snapshot of that, uh, what was going on with these disciples at that time. They dropped their nets. And for the next three years, they walk in the footsteps of Jesus, basically 24-7. And they want to be like their rabbi more than anything else in the entire world world, okay? So that's how Mark begins his gospel. And now we're looking at Mark chapter 14. So turn to me to Mark chapter 14. We are now in the final day of Jesus' life. <clears throat> Literally the final day. Mark 14, verses 26 to 31. This is just after the Lord's Supper. They sung a hymn, and they went out to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. 
And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Okay, so in this passage here, Peter, Jesus basically tells Peter, you, this is what's going to happen. You are going to deny me. This is, what, this is, what the story, this is how the story is going to take place. And Peter is emphatic, and he's saying, I will never do that. I will never do that. Have you ever made a promise to God like that? Or prayed some sort of prayer to God? God, if this, then I will never this. Anybody ever done something like that before? God, I promise I will never. So when I was in high school, I made a lot of poor life choices. I still do. Uh, but when I was in high school, I partied a lot. And uh, I had a friend of mine who was not a Christian actually call me out on it one time. Uh, and he literally said to me, Ben, I don't understand your God. You guys say one thing, and then you do another, and I don't really want anything to do with that. So I promised this friend of mine that I will never get drunk again. And within a week, I had blown that promise, and he called me out on it again. You ever make promises like that that you didn't quite keep? Or the ultimatum, like I started talking about earlier. God, I promise, if this cop doesn't give me a ticket, I will never speed again. Anybody ever said that? I'm the only one. And I'm still a sinner because I still speed. Um, I will never get drunk again. I will never look at porn again. I will never cheat on my homework assignment again. I will never... There's these times when we, we know these things are probably going to be coming at us again at some point. But we make these promises, I will never do that again. God, if you provide for me this time, I will never doubt your power and provision again. This is kind of where Peter is at. Now, let's read the rest of the story. Mark 14, verse 66 so jump down to the end of the chapter, verse 66. So Jesus was now arrested, and he's in the courtyard. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again, he denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he, but he began to invoke a curse on himself and, and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me. Three times, and Peter broke down and wept. 
Jesus tells Peter this story. Hey, this is how it's going to go down. This is what's going to happen. And Peter says, there's no way I will do that. Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. But he did. Peter denied Jesus. And he went out and he wept. Why? Why? Why did, you know, why don't you take a minute and just talk about that question with a neighbor? Why do you think Peter wept in this moment? Okay, go ahead and talk about that for a minute. Why did Peter weep? Okay, I would love to hear a couple of you just answer, why do you think Peter wept in this moment? Somebody be bold and raise your hand. He broke his promise. Good. What else? He knew that Peter, Peter knew that Jesus was right about Peter uh, denying Jesus. It also means that Jesus is going to be right about what's coming next for Jesus. That's good. Yeah. I feel like Peter had his expectation of who he was supposed to be as a follower of Christ, and when he didn't live up to his own expectations, he broke down and became sad. Yeah. Right? I mean, I think Peter, I think all of those things are probably true. But that's the one that I was kind of reflecting on most this past week. I think he's just really disappointed in himself. I mean, for the last three years, 24-7 with Jesus, he's devoted his whole life to following in the footsteps of Jesus and trying to become like him more than anything else in the whole world. Five minutes ago, Jesus says, this is what's going to happen. He said, no way, not me. Even if I have to die, that will not be my story. And then that's his story, and he breaks down, and he weeps. Because I think sometimes we think we are stronger than we are. You get back from a spring break trip and you're like, I will never do this again. I'm never sinning again. Right? I mean, we, we talk like this to ourselves sometimes. And then all of a sudden this comes our way and we fall on our face. And how do we respond when we fall? Peter wept after he realized what he had done. What about you? What are, what are the ways that you have denied Jesus? What are the ways that you have turned your back on him? Is there a certain sin in your life that you have experienced deep guilt or regret over? whether it be something to do with lying or drinking or sexual immorality or pride or you know what it is. We're going to take a minute tonight. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to take a minute tonight and give you a couple minutes. Just reflect on this question. What are the ways that you have denied Jesus? I'm going to invite the music team to come on up. They're going to play a song while we give you guys just space to think about this question. What are ways you have denied Jesus? Could be something from 10 years ago. Could be something 10 days ago. 
Honestly, it could be something 10 minutes ago. Is there a sin in your life that you experience deep guilt or regret over? Have you repented? Have you expressed remorse? Have you wept like Peter, knowing that you have blown it? Our friend Peter, uh, our friend Peter denied Jesus. And immediately upon doing that, he went out and he wept. And within a few hours, literally, Jesus was hanging on a cross himself. We're going to look more closely, actually, at the crucifixion story uh, next week at the well. Um, And then after the cross, after Jesus dies on the cross, he's buried in this tomb. And a few days later, he rises again, and we celebrate Easter. And in a couple weeks, our last well of the year, we will celebrate Easter together, and we will look more closely at that story in a couple of weeks. But after the crucifixion and after the resurrection, we have another fascinating story that I love. So turn to me to John chapter 21. John 21. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John 21, the first couple of verses there. This is after the crucifixion, after the resurrection. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, The sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go out with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night night they caught nothing. And then there's this really fun story of Jesus comes out to them. They caught nothing. Jesus says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. They throw the other nets on the other side of the boat, and they catch 153 fish miraculously. Okay, now John 21 Peter says to the other disciples, hey, let's go fishing. And I, I read that, and I can't read that without thinking about what happened in Mark chapter 1. These guys are just out fishing, and Jesus comes along and says, come and follow me. They dropped their nets, and they went, and they followed after Jesus. They followed after Jesus for three years, 24-7. Jesus was betrayed by Judas, denied by Peter, and crucified. But the tomb is no longer empty. After denying Jesus, Peter went out and he wept bitterly. Following a rabbi in that culture was such an incredible honor. No rabbi would ever have kept a disciple who publicly denied even knowing him. I honestly think Peter decides to call the other disciples together and go out fishing because I think Peter thinks he threw it all away. Peter thinks it's game over. 
His denying of Jesus in that moment was just not forgivable. And he has no place in following Jesus anymore as a disciple. So he goes back to his former way of life. John 21, 15. This is after the miraculous catch of fish. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to Jesus, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to Peter, follow me. Peter denied Jesus publicly three times. Jesus then comes back after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, and he says to Peter three times, do you love me? Some people suggest it's one for each time of Peter's denials. There's other reasons, but who cares right now? The New Testament was written in Greek, uh, and we miss something really fascinating with our English translation here. There's two Greek words for love that are used in this passage. One is agape. The Greek word agape is an unconditional, selfless, never-ending kind of love. And the other Greek word that's used here is phileo. Say phileo. Phileo, okay? So Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, okay? So agape and phileo are the two words here. And the exchange basically goes something like this. Jesus asks him, do you agape me? I phileo you. Feed my lambs. Do you agape me? I phileo you. Shepherd my sheep. Do you phileo me? I phileo you, feed my sheep. I think by asking these questions, Jesus is telling Peter, I love you. I forgive you. Don't throw in the towel. It's not over. Come and follow me. Why is it that when we mess up, we feel so much guilt? Why is it that when we screw up, we feel shame? We feel unworthy? We feel like we might as well just throw in the towel and call it quits because following Jesus is just too hard for us. It must be for the perfect Christians that have all their stuff together like you thought on your spring break trip, right? Here's a picture of my boys. This is yesterday before the Spartan game. We were pretty excited about it. Anyway, uh, Jaden is six years old. He's the guy on the left. Uh, and Eli is two and a half. They're amazing. Uh, they, are, they are cute. They are perfect. 
okay? They never make poor life choices. They always listen to mom and dad. They always share their toys. They never sin. I'm joking. I'm a sinner. I'm a bad liar, okay? Uh, as amazing as they are, they have issues sometimes, right? And they make poor life choices. Like when Jaden does something he's not supposed to do, we're just in this stage of life right now where he's just trying to figure these things out, right? Uh, so we have this thing where he says too many potty words at dinner. Like how many times do we tolerate poop and pee at the dinner table before we're like, go to your room, right? Or how, like, there are some times where I feel like, okay, Jaden, why do I feel like I'm telling you for the 47th time that you need to go brush your teeth? Or whatever it is. Like, there's just these things that happen sometimes that it requires some sort of discipline or some sort of consequence. So go to your room and take a time out for a while. And when he's done with his time out, we have a little conversation about what happened, right? It's usually short. And he usually comes back and he apologizes, which is amazing. But there's this other thing that happens where he, he kind of takes it a step further and he feels like he's screwed up so bad that mommy and daddy aren't going to love him anymore. And we have this conversation over and over and over again. Nobody, it's going to be okay. You just can't do this, but it doesn't change my love for you. A few weeks ago, we were at his school, and his school was having a book fair, and we walked through, and I found this book. It says, I love you even when, and I said, I am buying this book, because we are reading this book every day so that he gets it in his head, right? And it's a book about a mama bear and a papa bear who have three adopted cubs, uh, a panda bear, a polar bear, and a brown bear, Okay? And throughout this book, each of the cubs do something that they should not do, okay? And there's some sort of consequence. But the conversation is with Mama Bear and Papa Bear affirming that I love you even when you do these things. And so over the course of the last several weeks, Jade and I have been reading this book a lot so we can instill these things inside of him. And just a couple days ago, we were having a little conversation and we decided to play a little game. I said, okay, Jaden, Daddy loves you even when you say potty words. Okay, now it's your turn. And he said, okay, Daddy, I love you even when you yell at me. I said, okay, my turn. Jaden, I love you even when you don't listen to mommy and daddy. Daddy, I love you even when. Jaden, I love you even when. And we went back and forth for a few minutes. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, I love you even when. Friends, if Jesus does not reinstate Peter in this moment, 
then the cross and the resurrection were for nothing. He just demonstrated the kind of love that he has. Peter thinks he threw it all away. I'm going fishing. Jesus says, oh, no, you're not. I just died on the cross for you to show you the kind of love I have for you. You can't miss this. We have been called, just like Peter, to come and follow Jesus, to closely follow him, to try to become like him. But you and I are going to screw up over and over and over again. Today, tomorrow, five minutes from now, five years from now, 50 years from now, we're going to mess up. And when we do, may we hear these words, I love you even when. Because it's not over. Even when we want to quit. No matter what it is that you feel guilt about or you've been wrestling with. No matter what you've done or no matter what you will do, it's not over. And that is the good news we get to celebrate tonight. Amen? All right, please pray with me. God, I'm so grateful for Peter because I feel like he screwed up a lot. And I feel like my story is sort of like his story in that way where I'm trying to follow after you. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to stay on the path. And there are days when I just don't have my stuff together. And there are times when we turn our backs on you and we run the other way. Thank you for coming back to Peter and the disciples who are fishing. Thank you for calling them again to come and follow you. Thank you for what you did on the cross and the resurrection to show us what kind of agape unending, sacrificial, never-ending, unconditional love that you have for us. So God, I pray tonight that we will hear this truth, not just in our heads. Maybe we grew up hearing this story over and over and over again. We know the story of the cross. We know that Jesus loves us, but we don't feel it. Help us to feel your love tonight. For those that are still carrying on guilt from something that happened, May they feel free like a ton of bricks just coming off them because they know the love that you have for them tonight. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.